This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Somebody that will probably be unhappy with my encouraging you to uh, join our Facebook group is Andrew uh, McDiarmid. He is a senior fellow at the Discovery Institute. He also serves as a media relations specialist and assistant to CSC director Stephen Meyer. He's been a columnist whose work has appeared in uh, the New York Post, the Houston Chronicle, the American Spectator, also writes a uh, techno uh, column for Newsmax, and he's been trying to uh, encourage people to live authentically in in the digital age, and uh, somebody that I've become kind of a fan of. Andrew, thanks so much for joining us on the radio. Frank, it's a delight to be with you. Well, the delight is mine. First, I think I owe you an apology. It appears in my tweet that I tagged the wrong Andrew McDermott. Is that accurate? Yeah, I'm a McDermott. Uh, I wanted Andrew McDermott, but it was already taken. But no no sweat. Well, the guy that has um, Andrew McDermott instead of A. McDermott has 43 followers on Twitter. You can't make some sort of a deal with him under the table to get, the, get, get that <laughs> handle back? You know, maybe we could combine our efforts. There you go. There you go. Uh, but again, you're, you know, probably less connected to big tech than, than some other people. So, uh, so maybe you don't mind it as, uh, as much. Now, um, I read this fascinating piece that you wrote in the uh, New York Post, I think it was originally, about how big tech is controlling our lives. How exactly is big tech controlling our lives? Yeah. Well, you know, I came across uh, the writings of, um, considered to be my friend now, Jacques Ellul. He was a French uh, sociologist and theologian, philosopher of technology. And I was reading his book written in 1954 called The Technological Society. And I was just eating it up because he was he was predicting basically what was going to happen, what we were going to see here in the future. And indeed, we are seeing it. Um, he talks about a phenomenon called technique. And we can go into it as we discuss this here. But basically, you know, it started out as something harmless, you know, hundreds of years ago. But as we added machines to our lives, uh, technique kind of became uh, more important, especially those who were wielding the, the power behind the machines and, and what it was doing to human life. Um, but I'll answer your question right, right from the get-go here. You know, there's, some, there's a lot of examples of, of how big tech use technique, which is basically their methods of uh, manipulating our choices and, you know, uh, guiding us toward a, a chosen end. Um, it can be simple things, you know, uh, like Apple taking away the home button on the iPhone. I mean, how many iterations of the iPhone did we go through and get used to that home button that would take us home, you know, if we did something wrong? And all of a sudden, boom, it was gone. Well, so explain that we to me, to... if you could, Andrew, because I'm, um, I'm not an iPhone guy, and I know a lot of our audience is. Um, but, so there was a home button, and now it's not there? And why did they do that? Well, again, once you understand technique, you'll, you'll really, this will really click for you. Got it. Um, but, yeah, they, they had a home button, just a, a, a physical button at the bottom of the screen. wasn't actually part of the screen. And that brought you home, no matter what you were doing, uh, it just took you home. So people got used to that. But 
with the introduction of, I believe it was the 11, uh, or maybe the 10, they took it away. And now we have to interact with the screen in some new ways in order to, to manipulate our apps and get back to the, the main menu. You also cite the example of the Netflix autoplay situation. I've noticed that if you watch a show, uh, it'll immediately start playing the next episode unless you press something to stop it. Or even if the show is over, if you finish the, the series, it'll play a similar show on autoplay. In theory, you don't even have to hit a button ever. You could just let it play on forever. Right, right. Yeah, that, that's one of my pet peeves. You know, I gave up Netflix uh, about a year ago. Uh, just the content is just not there for me. But, but th- this this issue of you know just not giving us time to think between shows, mm. you know, and and it's the whole binge watching concept. You know, yeah, bring it on, keep going, keep going. But where do we have the time to just for a few seconds think? Well, gee, should I go to bed? Uh, you know, should I be writing some plans for tomorrow? You know, uh, we we owe th- those thirty seconds the credits run those are ours you know to think about what we want to do next and uh, netflix took that away from us Uh, so when we talk about technique as it relates to technology is this a concerted strategy on the part of the big tech companies to keep us constantly plugged in and make sure we don't do something like go and read a book or go for a jog uh before the next episode of ozark starts yeah, unfortunately, uh, they have come to use technique um, to our disadvantage. You know, the designers and programmers and, and teams that are behind our, our technology uh, companies today and all the platforms and gadgets, they know human psychology. They know how we click. They know, they know what drives us. They know what brings us back for more. And they put that into, our, into the apps, into the games, you know, I don't want to make them sound evil, but they, they, they do this so that we come back and so that we get uh, so that they get the attention and the money and just uh, the things that they want from us. The data in many cases. Yeah, it's it's on purpose. Um, and they, they've just learned to use this over the years. So uh, I guess the the biggest question is, should we turn off? Should we tune out? Should we put down our smartphones, log off of Facebook, uh, cut the cord on on Netflix? Should we turn off these screens? Well, Frank, that's a good question. And I am not somebody who is a technophobe who wants us all to run to the woods and live in a cabin with, you know, off the grid. I'm not for that. You know, I love technology. I love I love that. God, who I consider to be the original technician, he he created us with technology in our mother's womb, and it's because of that that we can now uh, do our own technology. And as I point out in the post, you know, the word technology actually means our art, our skill, our craft in action. So really, it's all about us, you know. So rather than tell people, hey, turn it off, you know, I'm actually saying, look, let's let's reset our boundaries with technology. Let's renew our understanding of what technology actually is, you know, and how it's all about us and how it can unlock our potential. And let's do it. You know, let's use technology wisely. You write that we, and if people are just tuning in, we're talking with Andrew McDermott. He's a senior fellow at the Discovery Institute. You write that we need to go from being passive users to the bosses of our own technology. How do we do that? Yeah, that's a great question. How do we reset uh, our boundaries and how do, how do we go about it? Well, um, let me throw out a few things. You know, Jacques Ellul, the, the Frenchman I keep talking about, 
uh, in my writing. And, you know, he, he talked about having a counter power to any entity that uses its power or dominion to erode our humanity, whether that's the government, the technicians or the tech gadgets themselves. You know, we have a counter power that we can utilize. Well, one actionable thing I'll throw out there is take back your morning and your night. You know, commit to turning off your smartphone and other screens one hour before you go to bed and the first hour you wake up. Those are sacred moments. Time to think about the day's experiences. Think about what you'll do and why. Pray, meditate, read, reflect. You know, it's time for you to think. And if you have tech filling that, you're going to do less thinking. You know, th- that, um, is a, that is a, a very, I think, easily achievable but somewhat difficult uh, goal to start with. And, you know, I, I'm thinking of my own self. I can't tell you how many mornings um, or afternoons, because I wake up in the afternoon, how many afternoons I wake up and I race to get through the 500 emails that have been sent to me since last I looked at my phone or my computer. And it is a very um, stressful way to start the morning because everyone has an urgent crisis that needs immediate addressing. Uh, so maybe I will try that starting tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. Frank's day needs to start with Frank. You know, mm. not everybody who's trying to get to Frank and not not what big tech wants you to see about what's going on in the world. You know, you just need to start your day with you. And if you believe in a maker with your maker and your family, you know, start it off right. And then then at the end of the day, you know, we're tempted to just keep looking through stuff and keep checking stuff. You just got to put it away. Uh, the power button our best friend, you know, and I don't know if you've noticed this, but a lot of gadgets don't even come with power buttons anymore, mm. or they don't tell you how to turn it off. Right. You know, they just want you to put it to sleep. Well, we need to have more control than that. You know, there's been a lot of criticism from uh, of the big tech companies for a bunch of reasons. A lot of folks on the right have criticized the issue of censorship and uh, not uh, allowing proper free speech. Folks on the left have brought up a variety of antitrust issues and folks across the political spectrum have talked about how uh, these social media apps like Instagram can actually be very damaging to the mental health of young people because they create an aspirational attitude uh, towards perfection when nobody's perfect. Do you share any or all of those criticisms of these big tech companies? Yes, I, I do share quite a few of them. You know, the struggle is real, to to use that cliche. Um, you know, this this is something we're grappling with. You know, the smartphone barely came out in two thousand seven. You know, that that isn't long ago. So we are we are just starting to understand how this stuff is is affecting us, and we're looking at the next generation, and we're seeing the mental health issues. I heard you interviewing someone recently on your show about about just the 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 change in in risk for adolescents you know they they don't go out as much they don't have as much sex they don't you know they they're not seeing real people because they're interacting virtually and i read in in one study that the more virtual interaction you get the less you want it in real life mm. and that to me is the scariest thing you know and just just taking that upon yourself to first be aware of how big tech is shaping your desires through our screens and through the platforms we use and then just saying, look, I'm the boss here. You know, I'm going to lay down the law. I'm going to purge what I don't want and what I don't need and what's not going to benefit me. And then the most exciting thing, and I think the thing that ties in with your uh, focus, Frank, on creativity is just unleashing your potential. You know, you can do more when you're doing less 
through big tech. So uh, other than um, turning off everything at the beginning of the day and at the end of the day, what else can we do to unleash our creativity and our own potential and so that it's not conditioned by this uh, electronic, um, you know, this electronic mouse pellet that we're we're consuming? Yeah, sure. Well, you know, make a list. I mean, make an actual list if you want to. Just just survey your current gadgets, your subscriptions, platforms, anything tech-related, and just ask yourself, you know, how is this affecting my time, my energy, my relationships, my mind, my body, my soul? Uh, and you can also ask, how can I weave something useful and good for myself with this tech tool, you know? And if something doesn't fit the bill, you know, just cut it, you know, say goodbye to it um, and see how you feel. You know, after a while, you hear stories of people who have ditched their phone for a week or a month or even a couple of days. And they start to get a clarity in their head that we don't have when we're surrounded with this stuff all the time. Can Elon Musk be a part of the solution if he does end up taking control of Twitter? Well, I, you know, in my in my article for the Post, I, I said that what he's doing is a step in the right direction for Twitter. You know, this is a digital public square. Uh, we all need to have a voice there. And I think he is more aligned with 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 true free speech and what that looks like legally and and morally. So I do think it's it's time for a change in leadership at Twitter. I think they got too used to being the arbiter of truth and just deciding. Who, who gets a voice, whose voice is louder. They're using algorithms to throttle certain people and not others. You know, it's that's all unfair to do the, all that behind the curtain, like the Wizard of Oz. You know, you, you've got to have someone who can be more open and transparent and who can align themselves with true free speech. So I do think it's a step in the right direction, unless it gets derailed. <laughs> <laughs> well, so you must be just thrilled about the prospect of all of us plugging into the metaverse and never having to go outside at all, right? Well, I tell you, you know, the metaverse is going to be really appealing. And, I, and I'm and i not going to say it's not going to be appealing to me at times, too. But what I will say is that every moment we spend in a virtual world is one last moment or minute that we can spend in the real world. So that's all I would ask people when it comes to the metaverse is, look, take that into consideration. Think about the virtual world versus the real world. Where are you going to live and die? You know, where are you going to leave your mark? Um, So that's what I would say regarding the metaverse. It's going to be very appealing, but it's it's definitely something we need to have limits on. And and so if if we can reassess our relationship with tech now before metaverse hits us full on, then I think we're Mm -hmm. going to be in better shape. Uh, Andrew McDermott, thanks so much for the uh, for the time this morning. Uh, Thanks for your great work. I'll look forward to talking with you again soon, maybe even in person. Who knows? Absolutely. Thanks very much. Thank you.